Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. So glad that you're here today to be able to join us as we partake in God's word. But before we get into the message, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, most awesome and wonderful Lord, we just praise your most magnificent name and I want to thank you for this ability to be able to get together even if it is virtually, Lord God, to hear your words. I ask Lord that these words that come forth would be your words and that they would touch every single heart of those that hear it and that we would be able to get these deeply planted within our spirits, Lord God, so that when the enemy comes and rears his ugly head, that we will be able to speedily defeat him using your word the same way that you taught us how through your son, Jesus. We praise you, we love you, and we honor you, Lord God. Take this message where you will, for your glory, for your honor, and for your magnification. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God, and once again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, and I'm again glad that you're, you're here to be able to partake of the Word today with us. Uh, as we get ready to dive into Scripture, uh, if, you don't have your, if you don't have your Bibles, go ahead and take a moment out and pause this recording and grab your Bible, and come on back and unpause it so that you can see for yourself the things that we're going to be talking about today. You can see them uh, for yourself in the Word of God. So if you've got your Bible, then let's dive right into Scripture. And we're going to start by turning to Isaiah chapter 43. And we're going to start in verse number 13. Isaiah 43, verse 13. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. And there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work and who will reverse it. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. If you don't have all the verses 18 and 19 underlined, go ahead and underline them. And I'm going to read them again. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. As we look at all these different scriptures here that we read, we see a few different things. First and foremost, God is the, the God that we serve as Christians is the only God that has ever existed. There's been no God before him. There's been no God after him. And I don't care what what what, what you, you hear and what, what things that people uh, listen to and things that people do in other countries or other religions and, and the different gods with a little G that they serve. There is only one true God, our deep redeemer, our holy, the holy one of, of Israel, the God that we serve. There's been none like him before. There'll be there's none like him now and there will be none like him in the future. He was he was always was, always will be uh, and always is. He existed before time, before time even began. So that is the God that we serve as children of God. 
that same God, our Redeemer, our King, will also make roadways where we think that their roadways can't be created. Okay? God will always make a way when there seems to be no way. What we also have to understand, though, is that when God makes a way when there is no way, it's because we ourselves cannot create the path that we're trying to go down. So in other words, when God calls us to do something, we can't figure it out. We can't rely on ourselves to be able to do the thing that God wants us to do. We have to be able to rely on God. And we always ask God to do something new in our lives. And we want God to bring us blessings and to bring us joy and peace. And, and we want God to direct our paths. But the problem is, is that we only want God to make a way in the direction that we want to go, not in the direction that he wants to go. We expect God to create a path for us that keeps us where we are right now. Or what I should say is to create a path that is familiar to us, even though we want God to do a new thing, as we see in verse nine, in verses 18 and 19. Don't remember the former things of old. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So what I want to talk about today is being uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable. If you think back on your life and the times when God has actually blessed you or has taken you out of a situation, remember that at some point God had to make you uncomfortable. He called you out of a situation that was familiar to you, a situation that you were used to because he was doing a new thing. So we have to forget the former things. Forget the old pathways that we walk down and let God create roadways in the, in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The same way when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and he came across the Red Sea and God told him to raise his staff to part the Red Sea and the Israelites were able to walk on dry, dry ground. Well, that's what we need to make sure that we let God do that in our lives. That we let God direct our paths and let God take us out of our comfort zones and go down the path that he has set out for us. We know the scripture says that Jesus said that he was going to send the comforter. But just because Jesus said he was going to send the comforter doesn't mean that the comforter's role was to keep us comfortable. The comforter's role is to provide us with strength and with guidance and with peace and joy. It's a source that we can go to. I should say he being Holy Spirit is a source that we can go to when we're having a hard time with the situations that we're in. But it doesn't mean that we're actually going to be comfortable. It gives us a place to be able to go when things are difficult and we feel like we can't take it anymore. But again, it doesn't mean that we're going to be uncomfortable. So we're going to talk about being uncomfortable today. When God takes up our comfort zone, however, what should we do? The first thing that we should do when God calls, up, calls us out of our comfort zone is to seek him for wisdom. Turn in your Bibles to Kings chapter, uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Praise the living God. 1 Kings chapter 3. We're talking about getting out of, getting out of our comfort zone. First Kings chapter three, and we're going to start with verse number one. So when God calls us out of our comfort zone, the first thing we should be doing is we should be seeking him for wisdom. One Kings three, verse one. 
Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David He had finished until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built, uh, built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord. Underline that. Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in his statute, in the statutes of his father, David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, and God said, ask, what shall I give you? As Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on the throne as it is this day. So one of the things we have to think about, all right, especially as parents, is what kind of example are we setting for our children? Do we merely just go to church on Sundays, maybe go to a midweek service, Maybe we read the Bibles with them. Maybe we pray with them. But do we think about how we're actually acting outside of those typical, quote unquote, you know, church times and, and outside of the things that we're supposed to do um, as Christians? Remember, after all, the word Christian means a, a follower of Christ. So that means that being a Christian is a way of life. It's not just something that we get to turn on and off. We wake up one day and say, I'm a Christian today and you know, I'm not a Christian tomorrow or, um, you know, I'm going to be of the world Monday through Saturday, but I'm going to be holy and sanctified on Sunday when I go to church and then come Monday, I'm back to doing the same old things. That's not what it means to be a Christian. It means that we follow Christ and that we, we follow his example and, and we do our best to live the lives that, uh, that, that God would approve of in all aspects, which means that in front of our children, we should be setting the example through our actions not just by reading and going to church, but through everything that we do, we should be setting that example of what it means to be a child of God. Now, you may not be a parent, but it still doesn't change the fact that we need to think about how we are behaving as, as Christians. What example are we setting if you don't have kids? What example are you setting for your family members that are around you? Friends, other loved ones that you might be around, colleagues in the workplace, Okay. Even in the workplace, just because you enter in to your place of employment, wherever it is that that might be, whether you're actually going into a physical building or if you're still working remotely, it doesn't mean that when you step into that place of employment, that somehow you are no longer a Christian. You're still a Christian at work. So how are you acting and, and are you acting as such even around your peers in the workplace, around your boss? And if you're in a managerial position around your subordinates? Okay? We should be acting as children of God at all times. David was um, Solomon followed David, not because necessarily he was following after what David did, but he noticed that David, his father, was, was, was following God's statutes and that he was being obedient to God. And that rubbed off on Solomon and Solomon recognized that that's what his father David was doing. And therefore, he, Solomon, started following in those, in those footsteps, and he followed in that path. And now he's going to God and telling God that, hey, you know, you had your son. You had your hand on, on my father, David. 
because he walked in your statutes and I'm trying to do the same. But now, now you've appointed me as king to sit on the throne. So since you asked me, God, I'm going to tell you what it is that, I, that I'm asking for. When David was a, was a child, okay, when David was a child, he was anointed as king. God had his hand on him even as a child. And if you look in, in first, uh, first Samuel chapter 16, you will see where Samuel uh, went through a bunch of children and was saying, okay, is this the king in essence? Is, is this the king? God is saying, no, the next person. Not, no, he's not. He's not the king. And finally, he landed on David. And there was a little bit of surprise. They're like, well, why David? Why David? And God told them that I look at the inside. I don't judge by the, the, the outward appearance. I look on the inside. I look at a person's heart. That's why David was chosen. So understand that when God chose you to have you step out of your comfort zone, to do whatever it is that he's calling you to do, he called you to do it because he sees what's in your heart, not what's in your mind. He sees you on the inside, not what you see in your head. So this is one of the reasons why we need to ask God for wisdom. Verse number seven here, continuing on. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous, numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And verse number nine Underline where it says, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may be able to discern between good and evil. Now more than ever, it is important that as children of God, we are able to discern between good and between evil. Because if you just look at the world around you, if you look at what's in the news, if you even maybe even things that could potentially be happening in the workplace or conversations with family members, okay? We could easily see, and this is not something new, this is something that's been going on for a while and it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse, where the things that used to be considered wrong or the things that used to be considered evil are now considered acceptable, okay? They're now considered acceptable because man has determined that because people's lifestyles have quote-unquote changed over the years and people have made different decisions and People are, 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 are upset with the fact that the things that are considered wrong are wrong and they want to make those things right because people in those positions of power that have the ability to pass these laws, they are doing so because of the people. They're not thinking about the fact that the one thing that is true is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What God has already deemed as evil back then, way back in biblical times, and even back, I would even say before biblical times, from the time when God existed, what he deemed back then was evil, considered to be evil, is still evil today. And it's still going to be evil tomorrow. And I don't care what politician, what po a politician might say, or what kind of lawmaker would, would say, or anybody in any, in any capacity at all. I don't care what it is that they say. They can say whatever it is that they want. It doesn't change the fact that whatever God has deemed to be evil is still evil today and is going to be evil tomorrow and will continue to be evil, period, flat out. So as children of God, we need to be able to discern between good and evil. And the only way to be able to do that is to ask God for wisdom and to have that wisdom. Solomon recognized his shortcomings. 
He felt that he wasn't capable of doing the job that God set aside for him. But instead of giving up and throwing in the towel, he reached out to ask God for help. He reached out to ask God for help. He watched how his, how his father David led as king. And he knew a little bit about the job. He knew enough about it to know that he was going to be in charge of a bunch of people and there, there was going to be decisions that he was going to have to make and, and tough decisions that he would have to make. So he sought God. But the most important reason for him seeking God is because he knew that he couldn't do it without God. As children of God, we can look back on our lives and we can see all the different victories that we've had. Okay, we can see all the different times when God has brought us through a situation. But we have to maintain that humility and we have to continue to be humble and not get so puffed up with pride in, in the victories that we have that we forget to go to God for guidance, to go to God for direction. Especially when he's calling us to do a new thing. Verse number nine, again, I'm going to read that. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked, that, have asked for yourself an understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall, be, shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So what we see here is that in verses 12 and 13, okay, and actually even going, going, uh, going back some, in verse 11, you see that God said to him that, you know, I heard what you asked for. And I, and I love what you, what you asked for. And because you didn't ask for things that the world would ask for, I'm going to give you the wisdom that you, that you asked for, that you see in verse 12 and 13. And then I'm also going to give you the things you didn't ask for, which were riches. Right? So we see there that God provides. When we think about God as our provider, Jehovah Jireh, oftentimes we, we look at that and we think of God providing financially, Right? I have bills I need to pay God, you know, help me be able to pay my bills. I need a car to be able to get to and from work or to the grocery store. Lord, can you please give me a car? I need a house for my family to, to be able to live in. Lord, help me to get a house. We think of all of these material things, uh, uh, things that we can put our hands on. But when God also provides, it's not just those things, but he also will provide you with knowledge. He provides you with strength. He provides you with wisdom. He provides you with peace. So in other words, God doesn't just provide those things that you can get your hands on, but he also provides the things that you can't measure, the things that you can't see. So when we when we can get that deep down in our spirits, that should guide us in the things that we're asking God for. All right. When God called you to do this new thing that you're doing, this new path that you're getting ready to embark on. Take a step back for a moment and just seek God out on what is it that I should be asking for? After all, Jesus said that you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you ask amiss, looking to use it for, for, for your own desires. The things that you ask for, you want to use it for your own desires. 
And what we see here with Solomon is that he could have easily, as king, asked for the life of all of his enemies. He could have easily asked for fancy palaces and fancy clothing and all of these things, but he didn't. He knew that wisdom was the most important thing. So how many of us, if we are promoted into a position, a higher position, and we ask God for help, how many of us actually ask God for help or we ask God to get rid of all the people that were a barrier to us to get to where we want to be? That we ask God to punish those that constantly came against us as we tried to walk in the path that he set out for us? Or do we simply say, Lord, just give me the wisdom to be able to navigate these circumstances? Verse 14, so if you walk in my ways and keep my statutes I, and my commandments, okay, underline that, walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then I will lengthen your days. Success is solely dependent on your ability to keep God's commandments, dependent on your ability to stay faithful and obedient to him. As we see in verse 14, if you keep my statutes and commandments, then I will lengthen your days. The reality of it is, saints of God, is that we don't know when the Lord is going to call us to go home. So we can't afford to just be sitting around and just waiting and waiting and waiting. We need to start doing the things God is asking us to do. We need to start getting serious about uh, about following God. We need to start getting serious uh, about uh, being an actual Christian and not just wearing a title because either it sounds nice or because that's what I was told I was every every single time that I, you know, as, as a child growing up, I always said that we were Christians. But the reality is my lifestyle doesn't reflect that. And no one is perfect. Okay, Nobody is perfect. And God knows that. But while we're still here on earth, we should be doing the things God is calling us to do. We should be living the lifestyle that God wants us to live because we never know. We never know when God is going to call us home. But we do know that if we're obedient to him, that he will lengthen our days. So when God calls us out of our comfort zone, the first thing that we do is we need to seek him for wisdom. We need to acknowledge the fact that we can't do without him. Matthew 10, 16 says, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This means that wisdom is very important to us because we need to be able to navigate the unknown. We can't navigate the unknown without God's assistance. We can't navigate the unknown without being obedient to God. So when we seek God, we must be obedient to his direction and patient in times of discomfort. Turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse number 13 here, looking at Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has begun. Uh, has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth so here we see God is very annoyed with all the sin that's on that's on earth make yourself an ark of gopher wood make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch and this is how you shall make it the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits it's width 50 cubits and it's height 30 cubits 
Uh, I mean, if you do the math or if you look in like um, uh, the, another translation in the Amplified Bible, this is roughly 450 feet long by 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. So this isn't exactly a small uh, structure uh, the, being, being the ark that, that God is telling Noah to build. All right. And also remember, as, as we go through these scriptures, um, Noah didn't have access to cranes and heavy machinery and those kind of things like we have access today. The modern tools of today that we can use to build some some amazing structures. Noah didn't have any of that. So for God to be asking Noah to do this, you have to imagine here now, God is asking Noah to do something that he might feel like he doesn't know how to do. But let's continue on here. Uh, verse number 16. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a uh, finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side you shall make it with lower second and third decks all right now if we look at these scriptures we notice god told noah a few things he told him here's what i want you to make or here's what's coming he gave him the warning here's what's coming here's what i want you to make here's what i want you to use and this is how it's supposed to look but god didn't tell noah how to take all of those pieces and put them all together. He didn't. He told him to use some gopher wood, to make an ark, to make some rooms, cover it with pitch. Here's the dimensions of it. It should have second, uh, lower second and third decks. There should be a door and the door should be uh, a cubit above and it should be uh, um, in its side. But he didn't tell Noah how to cut the wood and how to, how to, to, to angle it and position it and all of these things. That's all God told Noah. So understand something, you might be sitting back and waiting because God gave you some specific directions. And the thing that you're waiting on is, Lord, you haven't told me how to do X, Y, and Z. Understand something, whatever God told you to do, whatever information he's provided you with, that's all the information that you need to step forward. That's all the information that you need to step forward. So have faith and step forward to take that immediate next step. Because when the time is right, God will tell you what it is that you need to do next. Continuing on uh, in verse 17. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and, your, and you shall go into the ark. You, your sons, your wife and your son's wives with you. So we see in verse 18 that God made a promise to Noah and his family that he would be that he would be with them. When God takes you out your comfort zone, he promises to be with you. Look back on your life. Look back at the times when you felt like there was no way that you can do the thing that God was calling you to do. Look back on your life when you felt fear and 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 procrastinated taking that step even though God told you what to do. And just because you're a child of God does not mean that you feel fear. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we wouldn't feel fear. However, it says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind, meaning that God knows that as human beings, we are going to feel fear. And we know that fear is nothing but is, is nothing but, but, but an attack by the devil. It's a lie by the devil to try to keep you from moving forward. He sows that fear. He plants that fear, that doubt, that worry, that anxiety, so that you don't step forward in the path that God has laid out for you. But when God calls you, he won't leave you. He will be there with you. Okay? And what we also see here in, in, in this scripture in verse 18 is that 
it's important that as children of God, we recognize how our decisions impact those that are closest to us. Because God told Noah that not only was he going to be with him, but he was going to be with his sons. He was going to be with his wife. He was going to be with his son's wives, his family around them. So when you're sitting back and you're waiting on waiting to do something, even though, you know, God is telling you to do it. Think about how that procrastination is impacting your family. Think about how if you just step out in faith and obedience, how that's going to impact your family. And that by stepping out in faith and obedience to God, that he is going to be with you. He is going to be with you. Verse 19, and every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring, uh, bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds of after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them uh, will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself all uh, of all food that is eaten and you shall gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus, Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did underline all of verses, uh, all of verse 22 there. Thus, uh, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. And, and in verse 22, I want you also to double underline or circle or highlight where it says all. Okay. And then also underline where it says, so he did, because this shows that, that Noah was obedient. Noah was obedient. He heard what God was going to do. Then God gave him some instructions on what it is he was to do next. Then God again said, this is what the result is going to be. All living creatures are going to die. He told him that, that he was going to be with him. He told him what kind of animals to take. And what did Noah do? He did all that God commanded him to do. God might be, may have given you a vision of something that he wants you to do that seems completely impossible. Or you might have a situation in front of you that seems completely insurmountable. It might not make any sense what he's calling you to do, but you still must be obedient to him. We still must be obedient to him. He might be giving you a task or assignment that has you scratching your head and making you wonder, Lord, why me? Of everybody else, why did you pick me? Why did you pick Johnny? Why did you pick Sue? Why did you pick this person? Why did you pick that person? Why me? I can't do this. This doesn't make sense to me. All right. Even if it doesn't make sense, we must be obedient. We must do it. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We may never understand why he calls us to do the things that he does. I certainly have questions that I've asked God about why he had me go through situations and some things he's answered me on and some things I haven't heard from him on. And those answers come at various times. Sometimes it could be a week. Sometimes it could be months. Sometimes it could be years, years. Okay. More than five years on, on a few occasions of things that I've asked about where God finally revealed it to me. But it's not for us to know why he calls us. It's our job to be obedient. Okay. We're going to stay here or we're going to actually, we're going to stay in Genesis and we're going to go into uh, Genesis chapter seven here. So just kind of continuing on here in Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter seven, verse one. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, 
you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. One of the things about being obedient to God is that it shows God that we are trying to be righteous. So when he looks at us, he can say, yep, out of all of the perversion in the land, I see that you are righteous before me. So the question we also have to ask ourselves is, are we, are we portraying that righteousness with those that are around us? Or do we only do it when we're by ourselves? What would other people say of you? They may not know that you're a Christian, but if somebody were to ask them about you, would they be able to describe you in a way that would be pleasing to God? Or would they describe you as someone that is just like the world? Because Jesus said, while we are in this world, we are not of this world. Noah was in the world, but he was not of the world. That's why he was considered righteous before God's, before God's, God's eyes. Verse 2. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also, each of uh, each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on it on earth, on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And look at verse five again. We see. And Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. Underline verse number five. And Noah did all did did according. Excuse me. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Okay. If you're living the life that God wants you to live, you're being obedient to Him. Not only will He provide you with the strength and comfort and knowledge and peace and and the ability to do what He's calling you to do, like we talked about earlier like I had mentioned earlier, but he's also going to provide for you supplies, the supplies that you need to be able to go on your actual journey. Remember in the previous scriptures in Isaiah, remember not the former things, for behold, I'm doing a new thing. That means what was in the past is in the past. The things we should be remembering as we move forward is the fact that God brought us to victory, that God brought us out of situations. But we should not be remembering those negative feelings that we had when we were back during those trials and tribulations. We should be remembering the fact that God was faithful to us, that God protected us, that God surrounded us with his love, that God provided for us in so many different ways and ultimately ended up delivering us from that. So when he calls you in this new direction and you're feeling uncomfortable, understand and especially if you're sitting back and you're waiting because you're not sure that God is talking to you or you know God is talking to you and you know what he said, but you don't like what he said, okay? And we've all been there. When God tells you something, you're saying, nah, I can't be God because he wouldn't tell me to do this. And But you know in your spirit that it's him calling you, but you don't like it, what it is that he said and you don't know what path to take or, or, or what that first step should be. Understand, God will tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. And if there's anything that he needs you to bring with you, he's going to tell you what that is. Okay, just like he told Noah what it is that he wanted him to bring into the ark. Verse number six, Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So Noah with his sons, his wife, his son's wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds. And of everything that creeps on the earth, two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, 
male and female as God had commanded Noah. That must have been an awesome sight to see. Right? You think about it, right? I don't and I don't I don't know anything about farming or anything like that. Or, you know, you see these the, the, these uh, uh, TV shows where people are, are like National Geographic, where they're looking at these animals in the wild and like, oh, this animal's doing this and that means this and all of these things. Right. I, I've never studied any of that. So I could only imagine what an awesome sight this would have been to see all of these animals just filing into the ark two by two, two by two, two by two. OK, it must have been an amazing sight. But two by two, verse nine, they went into the ark to Noah. Male and female, as God had commanded Noah. So God told Noah this was going to happen, and it's happening. So there we see God is giving Noah some glimpses, right? He's telling Noah what to do. Noah is being obedient, and God is showing him that I told you to call these animals. Noah did it, and he's now seeing the animals. So we also should be looking out for the signposts that are out there, all right? Part of that wisdom and discernment that, we're, that we ask God for when he's doing a new thing is God will show us the signposts. This is a sign to Noah that the flood is coming. Something is coming. Everything that I said I was going to do, it's coming to pass. Why? Because I told you it was coming. Number one, of course, because God said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But if we, if we were to start doubting, God said, here's what's coming. This is what I need you to do. And as you do this, here's what's going to happen next. Noah did it. Here's what's happening next. Okay, the animals are coming. Verse number 10. And it came to pass after seven days. That the waters of the uh, the waters of the flood were on the earth, in the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. Okay, so there it is. Now it's raining. God told Noah the flood was coming. Here it is, verse thirteen. On the very same day, Noah and his and Noah's sons, Shem, Han, and Japheth, and Noah's Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. They and they went into the ark to Noah, two by two. All flesh and which is in the which is in the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded, and the Lord shut him in. And the Lord shut him in. If you don't have that part in verse 16 underlined, underline or highlight all of that, and the Lord shut him in. So what this shows us is that when we're obedient to God, right? When we're obedient to God, and I know that this there's, there's, there's we're spending a lot of time on obedience because God is trying to tell us and trying to tell you, all right, that you need to be obedient to his calling. Now is not the time for procrastination. Now is not the time to let doubt and fear sink in and keep you paralyzed from taking that first step. Now is the time to be obedient to God. Now is the time to do it. Not tomorrow, not next week, not later today, right now. So make it up in your mind that whatever it is that God is calling you to do, that right now, in this moment, as you're hearing my voice, that in this moment, you are going to take whatever that next step is that God is wanting you to take. Because when we're obedient to him, what happens in verse 16? And the Lord shut him in. God gives us protection. God can't protect us if we're out doing our own thing. But God is faithful and he can do whatever he wants. 
But us being obedient to God then puts him in a place where he can really surround us and he can really, really protect us because now we're we're adhering to his voice. We're following after his statutes. And as we saw in previous scriptures, then he will lengthen our days if we continue to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments. So God provides us protection. God provides us protection when we are when when we are or excuse me, when we are obedient. God took all of these animals and brought them into the ark as he said he would. And if we're being obedient, even when we're uncomfortable, God is going to, to protect us. We need to be prepared to take on all sorts of impossible tasks or all sorts of tasks that we deem impossible. Because the Bible says that for with God, nothing is impossible. Once Noah was obedient to fulfilling God's assignments, that's when God protected him. That's when he shut him and his family and all the animals into the ark. I want to jump down here. We, so we know what happens um, after the, in these next, uh, seven, in, the, in the rest of the chapter there, rest of the verse seven there, um, that, that, that Noah uh, ended up at, at, at one point, um, you know, they, the, excuse me, that, that, that they were, the flood was there and the, the ark was floating around. And then in, in chapter eight, uh, we know that Noah then started sending out a dove uh, to find out whether or not you know, if the dove didn't come back, then that was the symbol that the land was dry and that they could they can get out of the ark there. So I want to jump down to chapter um, to chapter eight and I want to jump all the way down to verse number 13. All right. Because I want to show you something here, something that's really important, because we we question God a lot when he asks us to do something we're not comfortable with. OK, we question him a lot. And there's times when we're walking through that situation or we're going down that path that we think God isn't there. All right. But I'm going to show you something in Genesis eight, uh, verse number 13. Okay. And so this is, this is after, um, actually let's jump to verse 12. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. So this is the dove that went out, didn't come back because that means the land was dry. So verse 13, and it came to pass in the 601st year in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your son's wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wives and his, uh, and his son's wives with him, every animal, every creeping thing, every bird and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families went out of the ark. Here's a scripture I really want to focus on. Verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Underline all verse 20 there because we see that throughout this entire process, okay, throughout this entire process, remember now, this started back when Noah was 600 years old. It ended when Noah was 601, it says, okay? In the 601st year, in the first month of the first day of the month is when the waters were dried up that we, as we see in verse 13. This entire time, this level of discomfort 
that Noah was in, being in the ark for, for, for this long, dealing with the flood waters and, and then waiting for the waters to, 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 to recede and sending out the dove to try to find dry, uh, dry land and the dove coming back and meaning that there was no dry land. All of this time, all of this time, God provided for Noah all of, and his family. And all of this time, God protected them all of this time for Noah and his family. It doesn't matter how much discomfort we feel when we're following God's path. God will always, always be there. No matter how long it might take, God will always be there. And the most important thing out of the, out of, out of those uh, set of scriptures there was in verse 20 that when God, when Noah was finally delivered from the situation, when this particular assignment was complete, the first thing Noah did was he went to church. He went to church. He honored God. Because God protected him. God didn't forget about him and he didn't forget about God. So even though God is calling you to do something, to do something new that you feel like you're not prepared for, look back on your life and look at how God has had his hand on you since day one, since you were born. You might be a new child of God or you might be a new Christian and might not see how God had his hand on you. But make no mistake about it, that as a child of God, he has always had his hand on you and he will always have his hand on you. And he will always protect you if you're willing to be obedient to what he's calling you to do. So if you've just been delivered out of a situation, honor God. Don't forget him, that he brought you out of that situation. That you can do nothing without him. And that you are nothing without him. Jesus said that for without me, you are nothing and can do nothing. So remember that that victory that you obtained, that you achieved, that was God helping you. And God will help you in the thing that you're doing now or that he's calling you to do. So don't procrastinate. God is calling you to do something new in your life. God is calling you out of your comfort zone. Don't procrastinate. Seek him with humility. Find out what it is that he's needing you to do. Ask him to provide for you. Ask him to give you wisdom to be able to navigate this unknown. And then when he tells you what it is that you need to do, have faith and remember that he will provide for you throughout the entire journey. He will tell you what you need to bring if you need to bring anything at all. He will protect you. He will protect those that are around you that are that, that are going to be taking part in this journey with you. And he will, in his time, in his time, he will deliver you from that situation. And when he does, when you get to the end of that journey, don't forget him. Make sure you honor him. Praise God. Well, I hope this message was a blessing to you. And as we close, let's pray. Dear Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, I just want to thank you for the words that came forth today, Lord. And I want to pray for everyone that has heard this message, that you would get these words deep within their spirits, Lord God, that you would strengthen us, every single one of us, Lord, to Step out into the unknown that you might be calling us to, because even though it may look like it's unknown for us and we might not be able to see what's coming around the corner, Lord, you're already around that corner and you know what's there. And you wouldn't be calling us to do something that we aren't capable of. And you wouldn't call us to do something and then abandon us, Lord God, but that you would be with us. Help us to remember that. Help us to hear the things that it is you're trying to tell us and see the things that you're trying to show us, Lord God, because we just want to be obedient to what it is that you're calling us to do. 
We want to be faithful to you, Lord God. Help us to remember that you will be with us and you will supply for us and that you will bring us through this unknown that you're calling us to do. Lord God, I pray for everyone that has heard this message, Lord, that you would continue to bless them and that you would continue to, to, to surround them with your love and with your peace, Lord God, and that you would continue to guide them in all things that you're calling them to do. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. If this message was a blessing to you, um, feel free to share uh, share this with friends, family, and loved ones, and anyone that might be even giving you a hard time. You can reach us at Genesis 1. That's one word, Genesis1.sermon.net. And on that webpage, you'll see all of our podcasts and that are posted. And you can click on the subscribe button at the upper right-hand part of the screen there and then get notification every single time um, that new content is posted. Uh, God said that he wouldn't return until his word covers the earth. And we are trying to cover the, 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 world, the world with God's word. And we're also making it free for everybody to do so. So our website is free. We even have apps on, on the Google Play Store and the Apple Store. Uh, Genesis One Christian Ministries app. You can download those for free and access all of the content absolutely for free. No, no hidden fees or anything like that. And also, we have kicked off a YouTube channel. So if you search for us in, on YouTube at Genesis One Christian Ministries, you'll also find us on there, and you can again for free access um, all of uh, all of our sermons there as, as we post them. Um, so praise God. Um, again, I hope this message was a blessing to you, and I hope that you go forth forth in peace and strength and confidence in knowing that with Jesus Christ, you can do all things. With Jesus Christ, you can do all things because his scripture says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So go in his peace, go in his strength, knowing that the Lord is with you and he will not leave you nor forsake you. Praise God, take care, and God bless. And I sing praises to you.